the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Danny Cannell. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson. Uh, this is Bull Locks Part 1. We are going to take uh, this set of locks. So we, we're going to go through. Um, you know, this is, we are, are gathering together. We're going to start with Thursday's games, the 24th, 25th, the 26th. Take it all the way through next Tuesday, the 29th. That is the... Uh, Cheez-It Bowl, Oklahoma State, Miami, the Alamo Bowl, Texas, and Colorado. Those next set of games, starting with the 30th, 31st, January 1st, and January 2nd, that will be in Bowl Locks Part 2. We will be recording that at the beginning of next week. And so uh, in the interest of, um, you know, the people are going to get this at different times. You know, we wanted to focus on Saturday as our big day, but guys, uh, set. Games are getting canceled pretty fast, and so the slate's getting a little bit thinner. We're going to add some games on the front end. Before we dive in, we got a chance to uh, to weigh in a little bit last night. Uh, Danny, you were uh, trying to give halftime speeches to UCF to be able to get them motivated to come back as BYU was uh, running over the Knights in the Boca Bowl. Thoughts on Brian Harson, the new Auburn head coach? So... I think it's a good hire. It kind of now. Here's the way I think it could work out. Uh, Florida Gators. They did not. Uh, Dan Mullen was not their number one choice, right? Like they had Chip Kelly on their mind. They have a couple other guys. Scott Frost, I think, might have been on their mind at the time. They were looking at some other names, some bigger, splashier names uh, that they would have rather had. Now the difference is there was a connection to Dan Mullen. It wasn't so out of left field because he had been there before, had won a championship with Tebow. But the way he kind of just fell into their lap, and I think the fans were like, oh, okay, this isn't bad. Like, it's an okay hire, but it was perfect for the program. I do think Brian Harson is a good football coach, and I think he's an underrated football coach because Boise State isn't that darling of the mountain, you know, of the group of five now. That's moved to Houston, Tom Herman, UCF, uh, Scott Frost. It's kind of moved away from there, but quietly he's been, you know, compiling win, you know, win after win after win. Um, I think he's got a nice resume of everywhere he's been. He's coached underneath some good coaches. I think the biggest question mark is how does he recruit, you know, and, and if he can recruit, which I like, I look at Gus Malzahn and I don't see him as a knock it out of the park recruiter type of guy, but he was able to get top 10 classes. Like, I don't think it'll be that much of a problem for Brian Harson just because he's from a different portion of the country. So I kind of like it. Like, I think it's a good hire for Auburn. I don't think it's going to blow away the fan base. I think they'll be very 
uh, which is the way they were with Gus and every coach that's been there. I think they'll be very restless. They want to see results right away. But I think he's a, I think he's a good football coach, and I think it'll be a good fit if they give him some support. <laughs> I, I think at least as far as the Auburn fan reaction, they're happier with it than Arizona fans seem to be with Jed Fish. Oh, yeah. What happened there? I thought we do were Arizona like – Arizona fans care? Fair. Well, the ones that do Fair. apparently. Yeah. Do not. <laughs> The very online fans. It it feels like all the warring factions at Auburn went into mediation and there was a stud mediator who was like, okay, you're not going to get what you want and you're not going to get what you want, but I've got a Brian Harson for you. And I think everybody can agree on this Brian Harson. It feels like it was the only way to be able to bring everyone together uh, after a, a tumultuous search. I could see like somebody in that room just like if you take a Billy Napier and you take a Kevin Steele and you mash them together, <laughs> you get a Brian Harson. On all of these, and you guys have done way more reaction pods over the past few years than I have. And of course, clearly we've all talked about them. But there's just for me, I'm kind of gotten to the point where I'm like, all right, let's see what happens because we've seen the home run hires with Tom Herman to Texas and Jim Harbour to Michigan. And how are those working out? We've seen the interim coaches like Ed Ogeron and Dabo Sweeney that have, you know, nobody, a lot of fan base, fans didn't want them, you know, and I'm sure there were factions within the, you know, boosters and athletic department that didn't really want them. And all of a sudden they're here, you know? So it's just kind of like, I don't know. I don't get too upset or too like, yeah, this is going to be a slam dunk anymore because it's, kind of like grading out quarterbacks in the NFL. Like it's, I don't, I'd be curious to know. Cause it's very, everyone's talked about the NFL first round quarterback. It's like a 50, 50 hit rate, even though we don't really technically know how to describe something as a, a, a success or a failure, but you hear that stat. And it is kind of true. If you kind of look over history, I wonder what the success or hit rate is with the coaching hires and, and how do you grade like, Hey, the, the home run hires versus the guys that, you know, nobody liked. And I bet they're all kind of like 50-50 of the home run oh. hire. Some of them work, some of them don't. You think less? Oh, yeah. Less? Without, I, was, I was just going to say without a doubt, every coaching hire has about a 25% chance of working out because it seems like every one out of four jobs changes hands. Like we've got <laughs> 20 to 30 jobs that are going to change hands every single offseason. And so, you know, stretch that out across 125, 130 uh, FBS jobs. Yeah, about one in four chance. It's going to be what you want. Yeah. We'll see. It's a crapshoot. Yep such a weird phenomenon because you can't like, how do you know, how do you know to trust a coaching hire? Um, because as you said, a lot of these things have been wrong. A lot of obvious answers have been wrong. A lot of non-obvious answers have been right. So the only way you can typically trust a coaching hire is like, do you trust the decision makers? Cause those are the ones that have all the information, but because coaching hires happen so infrequently, and because decision makers change jobs, like no one really has an extensive track record to where we can really even trust the athletic director decision maker in terms of what they, what they get done. And, and so it's just, it's, it's such a fascinating, uh, like, again, like, I don't know, like I want to, maybe the, maybe the search committees, um, feel good about whether a hire is going to work out or not. Cause they're maybe the ones that have the most access to the most information among the most searches but those those guys are screwed up too so it's 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 fascinating let me let me get a off the record tell all expose about the times that a search committee on the conference call was like well 
this is a horrible idea, but Auburn is determined to move forward. So uh, we're just going to go ahead and let them do it and cash that. I, I was using Auburn just as an example, not as, as a specific thing, but I would yeah. love to hear that there were hires made against the recommendation of the search committee just because an athletic director and university president was so dead set on who they were going to hire. Anyway, uh, we will begin. Let's, let's, let's roll through this in uh, – chronological order at least we'll, we'll call the game out we'll see if anybody's got a lock uh, and we'll throw it on the lock stock just so that if you are listening to this at different times you you will know uh sort of where you are in the calendar so we'll begin with december 24th the new mexico bowl that is not in new mexico it has been relocated to frisco texas we've got hawaii against houston Houston is an 11 point favorite in the game. We're looking at an over under of about 59 to 60 and a half. Tom, uh, you, you went ahead and got the tip out there. You shared it with us. I'm not going to jump on this lock with you, but I like the pick. So go ahead and get us started. It's the lock of the century. How could you say no? We're taking Hawaii plus 11. Let's look at this matchup. Houston's only three and four. Dana Holgerson said yesterday or the day before that Houston is going to be without 15 to 20 players for this game, both for COVID reasons and for academically ineligible reasons. Because apparently a lot of players didn't really take care of things in the classroom this year. Somehow they couldn't find time when they were too busy having to play football for no real reason. So you put that into consideration. But then, as we've talked about, like when it comes to bowl games, there are so many other factors that we have to consider, like as far as motivation is concerned or how coaches approach bowl games. Like some coaches will look at them as another game that you're trying to win and you're trying to, you know, improve your resume. Maybe there's a bonus involved in it for you. And then there are other coaches who look at bowl games as like, all right, we'll get some extra practices in and we'll kind of use this as a springboard to next year. Get some guys some time, see what we got going. Dana strikes me as the type of person who does not care about bowl games because in his career, he is one in six against the spread in bowl games. And the only time he has covered West was Virginia. in that 70 to 33 win with West Virginia over Clemson in the Orange Bowl, which was a major bowl game. He's never been in another major bowl game. And unless it's a major bowl game, he doesn't seem to give a damn. So maybe Houston wins this game because Hawaii's not great. But if I'm getting 11 points, give me the Warriors. Anybody Can't else want to get, get in on it? Way more than that? Can't you get a better number than that? It opened at I'm, 13 and it's I down. see it's still out there at it's, 13 it's and a moving. half. So I don't know if you, I don't know if you see that. Uh, at I, the local God, establishment? Uh, I only see 11. <laughs> All right. I use the Action Network, which I don't know if we're supposed to say that because it might be a competitor of some of ours, but they give you the best odds and I see out there. But if, you, if, you, if you're using uh, your sites and, and perusing all of them, then you got to go with that. Yeah, I think that there's some in the book, the Edgewater Entertainment. We'll use that one. That's your best number. (laughs) Are you going to get on it? I am not. Anybody else? This scare, this spell season terrifies me. I I just, and I came limping in last weekend, an awful championship weekend of picks. And now my confidence is a little bit rattled. Now I look at it. I'm like, yikes, what are we going to do? I think uh, we have an order of business to attend to at the front of this call. Tiebreaker. Uh, should we crown the champion of the regular season? Isn't it a tie? It is a tie, oh, but I well, believe I'm in the breaker. lead. I believe I'm on the lead in terms of units one. Martin won. There's no tie. 
And still undefeated. Thirty second. You close the sun, Danny. Overall, too many picks on championship weekend. I thought we were taking it because I go out there and I try to close out games. I should have gone with two picks and just take it to the house and shut it down. But I I laid out there all on the line. I wasn't going to tiptoe into that weekend. I thought at least we could extend this bad boy since it was a tie in the overall plus minus. Precedent precedent stands. (laughs) 3.9 units over 3.6 units. Barton, 60 and 51. Wins it over Danny at 63 and 54. As you mentioned, Barton, you went four and four on championship <laughs> week. Danny went three and six. Uh, no one finished above 500 on Just championship, championship week. level four and four a week. <laughs> we finished, my money we line picks are, are factored in there. My money line picks are different factored battle. in there. Different, different, battle. different competition. Different competition. Oh. You killed the money line but battle. <laughs> yes. Congratulations on your money line in. win. yeah you did win the money line 13 and 14 on uh on money line sprinkles up 8.8 units uh but yeah it's the it's like winning the sportsmanship award (laughs) basically if if it makes you like danny you finished 15 units better than barton on the money line (laughs) <laughs> there we so, go. Congratulations. He, beat you by three he beat you by three tenths in the locks. You beat him by 15 in the money line. You may have more money, but I got the belt. <laughs> Congratulations. You you talked down about that being the sportsmanship award, like when they're when everyone says the William P. Campbell trophy, aka the academic Heisman. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so Danny, hold Danny, on a second. Hold on. You guys keep talking. I got to show you something. I'll be right back. Okay. Danny, Danny did win the Mac competition. He went one and zero. He only did it once. <laughs> he only put in one Mac lock all year. Yeah, because we he wasn't there for the second. We only did two shows, and he wasn't there for the second one. So he went one to zero in week one. Oh and that's yeah, the it. Mac. Oh, the Mac. Yeah, the Mac battle. Yeah. He put it I, down and said, "I am the champion." <laughs> I wanted to show you the visual because my Florida state helmet, I packed it up cause we're moving. Uh, you know, you have the tomahawks that you get on there for like intercept or touchdown throws five passes in a row. They had all these 60% per- complete spends, all these different awards. I used to go into the manager's office, the guy who would put them on the equipment manager. Cause you can't be the starting quarterback and have only like three. So you had to find a ways to get them on there and you did get more throughout the season, but they did have academic ones on there that actually they say really tiny. They said academics. So I'd go in there and I'd be like hammering them away. Like, look, I got an A on this test. I was a hundred percent attendance. Like you got to give me some more. So I was like greasing them under the table for extra tomahawks on my helmet. Yeah, out here lobbying for Tommy Tomahawks. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, Christmas afternoon, we go to Montgomery, Alabama. It is going to be the Camellia Bowl between Marshall and Barton's Buffalo Bulls. Uh, I do have a lock here. Is anybody else? I do I'm as a, well. I'm, I'm a lock it. Yeah. Okay. I, I am. I'm taking Buffalo not only because of taking Buffalo, but because I think Marshall is limp to the finish line. I think Marshall's best football was earlier in the year. Uh, we've got this at what four points? Yeah, on the spread, and uh, and I think that there's got to be a little bit of a get right desire or you know wanting to bounce back after losing to Ball State. I mean, that was a could have been an undefeated, uh, undefeated season, conference championship like that. 
that was right there, and the Cardinals were able to take it away from Buffalo. And so a little bit of get right. And uh, again, like being on UAB and, and liking UAB against Marshall was very much a, a fade Marshall play in the Conference USA championship game. I think Buffalo's got more of a chance to get right than Marshall does. So give me the Bulls minus four. Isn't Doc Holliday undefeated in bowls? Against the spread or, or straight up? I don't know. Straight up, mm. I think. Maybe against the spread also. Are you are, don't are, are we fighting? That. No, we're not fighting. Okay. But I, I'm 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 gonna also take Buffalo. But I'm but I'm it's a little bit of just like a just like a farewell feel good opportunity to just, you know, jump on board one more time for nostalgia's sake, uh, for this magical ride we've had all year. Um but I am worried about Doc Holliday in a bowl game. Six and one, first straight up loss was last year in the Gasparilla Bowl. Okay, so he was undefeated going into last year's Correct. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll go Bulls. I'll go bounce back. Uh, Lance Leipold's been doing a few interviews, I think, over the last few weeks. So hopefully he's got his, you know, Illinois made the mistake of, of not hiring him. So hopefully he's had a little more time this week to, to get back to the film. Uh, I'm, I'm going to keep my mouth shut after that. <laughs> so they, uh, I was doing studio coverage for that for CBS sports network of the, uh, conference USA championship game. And, you know, they usually try to highlight some of the good things that teams have done. And, uh, they were like, Hey, do you want to, you know, you get assigned kind of who you're going to talk about. And they were like, all right, Marshall. And, uh, you know, I was looking, I was like, hey, I could, there was not a completed pass from Grant Wells in the first half. He was 0 for 10 for zero yards. <laughs> so we're like, all right, what are we going to do here? Like, what are we going to find? We had to like work our way around it. You had a quarterback who is, and remember what happened previous against Rice, five interceptions. Um, due to, I, and he got it back on track, but I think my man is a little bit rattled. Um, so I'm going to take Buffalo, uh, laying the points, but I'm also going to take the under because I do think Marshall's defense, a little DK two for one special. I think Marshall, I think this goes to Buffalo too. I think you kind of know what you have to do and you got to shut down, uh, Jared Patterson. You got to step the run game and I think they'll sell out towards that. And I think you see what happens when you can do that as you can slow this Buffalo team down. So, I think Buffalo is going to win, but I think it's going to be a lower scoring affair. So I'm going to take uh, Buffalo, lay the points, and uh, I'm going to take the under 54. All right. I have, I have a couple of concerns with the lock unity. First of all, as we have seen, the Mac typically does not do well in bowl season. So I'm always kind of scared mm. off. What did day. Buffalo do last year, though? I'm, I know, but I'm just saying I'm always Ooh, a little they scared beat off. the brakes off Charlotte. They did, but Marshall's better than Charlotte. And I also look at defensively, like we talked about last week when I was taking Ball State against Buffalo in the MAC title game, like Buffalo hadn't played a good defense all season long. This Marshall defense is pretty good. Say what you want about them offensively, but defensively they've been solid from start to finish. And against the run in particular, they're a top 20 team in success rate. And Jarrett Patterson's a little banged up. Remember, he got injured last week. He's probably going to play. Hopefully, he's, he's fine. But I don't know, guys. I'm a, I'm a little scared of this one. I am fearless. My Buffalo pick. I'm ready. 
All right, coming up on the other side, we've got locks for Saturday, December 26th and Tuesday, December 29th. These are the next five games on the calendar. You want them, we've got them. Come get them. More locks on the other side. Next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. To the Cure Bowl, noon on Saturday. Uh, one of the best matchups record-wise that you're going to find in the entire postseason, college football play, playoff included. One loss, Liberty, going up against undefeated Coastal Carolina, combined 19-1 and record. Um, this uh, Orlando-based bowl game is going to get a lot of attention. We're going to be talking about Jamie Chadwell. We're going to be talking about Hugh Freeze. Right now, we're looking at Coastal as a seven and a half, seven point favorite. Uh, total in this game is hovering around 59 and a half, maybe 58, maybe up to 60. Who wants to go first if anybody has a lock on this one? I'll go. Okay. Taking liberty of the points. I, I love Coastal. I just think that defensively, they've been very good, but I don't think defensively, they, they played well against BYU, but BYU did move the ball on them and BYU did score points and that was a close game. And I think that Liberty's offense with Malik Willis is going to be able to move the ball and put points on it. And we t- we've talked about coaches a lot. Hugh Freeze is one. I don't have the record in front of me, but Hugh Freeze is one of those coaches who tends to do well in bowl games. And I also kind of think that there's going to be a little bit of an FU factor with Hugh because... He didn't get the Auburn job we thought he was going to. He, he we didn't he didn't get the South Carolina job. He got passed up for a lot of jobs that I'm sure he was thinking he had a very good shot of getting considering what he's done at Liberty. So I would not be surprised if Hugh goes into this game saying, "Well, Coastal Carolina, that's that's the little darling, that's the Cinderella team everybody loves. I'm going to go beat them." And I'm going to show some of these teams that hey, Shane Beamer might be a real nice guy. I don't know if he was the best coach. Brian Harson, good football coach. I don't know if he was the best hire. I don't know if he's going to get the talent that you wanted. I think I think he's going to have something for people this week. So yeah, I'm taking I'm taking the Flames. I like um, like in, in in the in my my initial reaction, my my gut reaction is Coastal, and then you look at the line and it's seven, and it's like oh ah, that's probably big enough to where I don't really want to take Coastal anymore. I'm not saying I'm on Liberty, but I, that scares me away from Coastal. <clears throat> um, what's the total on this one? I mean, you've 59 and a half. Yeah. Also, Coastal is a very. You want to take that under? Or are you trying to right take now? that over? With at 59 and a half, I would be more inclined to take the under. Yeah. Coastal's um, played a lot of under games this right, year. Right. That's, I was hoping to be like 52 and a half. One, I was like, then, then I might be inclined to take the over, but this is a stay away or under for me. I'll go ahead and fight it out. Yes. Fight, fight, (laughs) fight, fight, fight. So you've got an interesting dynamic in place. Um, Coastal's playing their first ever FBS bowl game. Liberty's playing its second ever FBS bowl game. Uh, 
after last year getting in and beating Georgia Southern uh, in the 2019 Cure Bowl. Uh, so both teams, like I, I do feel there's a um, like a, the motivation tactic of what's at stake. Clearly, both of them, I do think, are going to be excited about this game. But I look at uh, the Grayson McCall matchup uh, versus Malik Willis, who's had an outstanding career, uh, outstanding year uh, at Liberty. But I think uh, Grayson McCall's supporting cast is a little bit better. I mean, Malik Willis is a little bit more of a one-man wrecking crew where it's a little bit, a little bit, not, I mean, nothing's easy in shutting him down, but it's a little bit easier to focus on him and tackling him as it is to Grayson McCall and the weapons that he's got at running back, wide receiver, and including tight end. Um, so I think there's a little bit more balance there. And I think they're like the ability to get 12 wins, I think is a pretty good carrot. You can hang out there for a group. And I think we've seen them in some pretty good spots deliver and deliver big, including BYU. And maybe I'm a little bit influenced because I saw BYU last night. It was so impressive. And what Coastal did to them, granted it was home field and all this, you know, it was a different game. BYU had short prep time, but uh, that kind of resonated with me. So I think Coastal is going to win this game and win it handily. The first, yeah, like, uh, all those things you said are things I agree with. And, and yet I just like, again, it's a scary just, line. I mean, yeah. I, if it was seven and a half, I'd really be gnarly. Get it seven. Can I not get it six and a half? Uh, let's see if I could find one. No, I best don't see I, it. Best I, I see, see is seven. seven. Yeah. Yep. Me too. All eight to seven. The afternoon kickoff, one of two afternoon kickoffs on Saturday, the first responder bowl is going to be Billy Napier in Louisiana going up against Jeff trailer and UTSA. Hot fish grease. And uh, the Roadrunners, man, they uh, only two losses in Conference USA play finished right behind UAB for that East Division title. Pretty strong first season for them. Obviously, Louisiana co-champions in the Sun Belt did not get their chance at the rematch with Coastal Carolina. That game uh, canceled because of COVID-19 issues. So the Raging Cajuns are laying 14 points in this game. Uh, another over-under that we're seeing around 58 or so. Uh, I went all different ways on this game. I, I thought that it was too big a number and you know wanted to take UTSA. And I wanted to take UTSA because I went back and I remembered, Danny, who was one of the teams that... Pro- provided a really big challenge for BYU. It was UTSA. Remember, got them, got them caught in a yep. little, like, 23-20 game. Weren't they that 35-point favorite in that game, too? Wasn't that, like, one of their massive point spreads and they almost mm-hmm. lost? Right, yeah. but remember, because it wasn't at 10-15 or it wasn't on a weekday night, nobody saw it. It was like a right. 3-30 ESPN Plus game that if you weren't watching on the stream, nobody had a bad thing to say. They also, UTSA, kind of competitive against Army, only a 12-point loss there. Uh, they were only an eight-point loser against UAB, and they finished the season strong by uh, blowing out North Texas. Also, big win against UTEP, bad team. But I was I wanted to take UTSA with this big number, but I think the play is to take the under and to go back and remember the fact that it was only 27-20 against BYU and to think that maybe in this matchup, if Louisiana is sleepwalking, I don't think that a sleepwalking Louisiana team is going to get is going to give up a whole bunch of points. It just might mean that the offense with Levi Lewis just isn't going to click. They might sputter a little bit out of the gate. Louisiana wins this game, might even win by 14, 
But as I'm looking at a, a lopsided matchup, I do think that how competitive UTSA uh, this season has been is worth some investment. So I'm going to make that investment on the under 58. Actually, the best I can get is 57. 57. But I can I can maybe make you feel a little bit better about it as current forecast. And again, we're still a few days away. We're in Frisco, baby. It comes. Current, current forecast in Frisco is calling for 11 to 12 mile per hour crosswinds through the game. So that won't hurt. I'm going to play this game. Uh, this is another one where initially I think Louisiana, uh, but then the line comes out. It's bigger than I would like. Uh, I am going to play Louisiana anyways. <laughs> I think <laughs> this Louisiana team, like, you know, see how pissed off they were. They didn't get to play in the Sunbelt championship. Oh, they yep. released a hype video with no opponent. <laughs> Billy Napier was straight up like tweeting, like, like basically asking like out, out into the, the, the universe, like, who do we not get to play anyone then? And and just, there, I think there was a, I mean, I think they felt like they're about to win that game. They're about to win the Sun Belt. They're about to be the New Darlings. They got Iowa State win earlier on their schedule anyways. Like, this is a team that I think has a chip on its shoulder. And I, it does worry me the UTSA basically has played everyone close. But I don't think that they're going to be able to keep this one close. And, hey, wins, great. Bring it. Louisiana will be nice and comfy. They just got to run the rock all day long. So I'm going to bet on Louisiana running this up. Like it. Moving on, the other afternoon kickoff. Uh, that game will be on ABC 3.30 on Saturday. The other one on ESPN. It is Western Kentucky going up against Georgia State in the Lending Tree Bowl. We're in Mobile, Alabama. And I don't know how the, uh, you know, the relationships work between uh, Conference USA and some of these bowl games, but I don't think Western Kentucky, uh, I don't think they were a great football team this year. And I will admit, I did not put my eyes on our multiple. I did not watch more than three hours of Western Kentucky football this year. I watched a little bit of the opener against Louisville, mostly bounced in on the games, checked in on them from time to time. So I would be tempted to take Georgia State and lay the four points. I also do not trust Georgia State to be a favorite. It's almost a nobody deserves to be favored game in my eyes. So I'm staying away. Does anybody have a Georgia State Western Kentucky play? I do. What is it? This is one of the easiest picks of the of the week for me. I'm taking the over 50 and a half. Have you seen Georgia State football games this year? This is a team that is averaging 33 points a game, and it is allowing 33 points per game. They score, and then they give it right back up, and they do it over and over and over again. And this Western Kentucky team defensively has been pretty decent, but it's not really anything I, you know, respect too much and this Georgia State offense has gone up against other decent off or defensive teams and put up 30 something points on them so this over just seems way too obvious to me so obvious that I'm almost kind of scared of it but I don't care I'm taking the over 50 and a half uh just to just for the sake of having an over in play <laughs> I will join you George Western Kentucky's got a pretty good defense, has had a pretty good defense, but Georgia State, I think the pace of Georgia State and um, their ability to score is going to trump and uh, maybe even allow Western Kentucky to get a few more points than it's used to getting. So I will, uh, I'll join you. Yay. 
taking things on uh, no Sunday bowl games, no Monday bowl games. That takes us into Tuesday. We got a late Tuesday afternoon kickoff in the Cheez-It Bowl. But again, back in Orlando, shout out to the fine folks at Camping World Stadium who are hosting approximately nine bowl games in a like five-day period. Uh, you got your hands full. You got Oklahoma State and Miami coming to play. I've I've looked at this and I rub my eyes and I look again. Oklahoma State opened as a four-point favorite and this thing has been coming down. Oklahoma State now a two-and-a-half-point favorite over under around 58-and-a-half and give me the pokes. Uh, give me Oklahoma State. Mike Gundy, 9-5 and five in bowl games. He has won three out of his last four, and he has won five out of his last seven. Uh, along the lines of Hugh Freeze, along the lines of Doc Holliday, who I'm betting against, uh, there, there are just some coaches that you include in their bio. A pretty good pick to uh, saddle up with for the bowl game. Uh, Oklahoma State, I did not think... Uh, like it was 24-21 against Texas A&M. They did not win their last bowl game out, but I don't think Oklahoma State was unprepared for that game. So I I think that Mike Gundy over Manny Diaz in a bowl game, and let's remember what Miami did in its last bowl game in a 14-0 loss to Louisiana Tech. Uh, yeah, give me the pokes. Do we think... I, my, go go ahead, ahead, Tom. Well, I, was, I, was, I, was, I just want to ask. I want to ask. Do we think that Miami has a good defense? Just no, generally I, speaking, I think it's got a decent pass rush. Jalen Phillips and rush, Quincy yeah. Roche, and that's about it. Not no, yeah, that's with, not about it. But they they've got other players on there that are very good. But I do not believe that they are an elite defensive unit as a group of eleven. Yeah, when the pass rush is playing well, I think Miami's a good defense. If it's not, they're not a good defense. Okay, I mean sixty-two to twenty-six. Says but I don't, think, I don't think Oklahoma State has anywhere close to the firepower that North Carolina does either. True. Yeah. True. My, what were my, you alluding to? Are you alluding to an underplay here, Barton? Yeah, because I, I mean, Oklahoma State's defense has been like money all year long. Right. And, and I'm just trying to figure out, I'm trying to figure out if this Miami defense can match them because they tempt you into thinking they're a good defense, but then they give a 62 to North Carolina. Um, so. I, I feel like that number is too big, fifty nine and a half or whatever it's at. But I, but I just, I don't know that I trust Miami's defense to be good for me there. So I'm, I'm scared of it. Man, I, I I'm not locking anything up here. Go for it, but let me, let me, let me share this first. Yeah, because I'm not locking anything up here. But I, I did include this in. I have to include it in the six pack because it's one of the two big games of the week. Just so you know, Oklahoma State's defense has been very good overall. Obviously, it has been especially good against the pass. Against the run, it's okay. It's 47th nationally in success rate and 50th in yards allowed per carry, which is not elite, but it's still above average. Where things change, though, Chip, and I think that's something for you to worry about in this matchup, is against mobile quarterbacks, the Oklahoma State defense has not been nearly as good. When it's against quarterbacks, they drop to 47.1% in success rate. That's ranks 96th nationally. So mobile quarterbacks have been able to find plenty of room to run against this Oklahoma State defense. And I think that with this matchup going against Derek King, might be something for you to worry about a little bit. Is Derek King leaving? Does anybody know for sure? I'm, I'm just the reason I asked, I didn't see anywhere, but I'm reading this preview 
And it said the end of Miami's 2020 season means college football will finally have to bid farewell to Kane's quarterback, Derek King. I just thought that was an interesting line. I hadn't seen it anywhere. I think he should come back uh, and, you know, try to have another year like he did this year. If he, and I don't think his, I think he'd only help his draft stock, but I, I was curious about that. Um, just I think the, Manny Diaz would be thrilled to have him back. Yeah. Producer Coca <laughs> telling us that Roche and Phillips are both out. Oh, maybe oh, that's well. why that number's so big. So that that means that against Sam Ellinger and Max Duggan and Spencer Rattler, Oklahoma State's defense did not play well. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, is is that what your mobile quarterback? Yeah. Okay, because we don't include yeah. Brock Purdy uh, as mobile quarterback. He's just he's a big. No, it just means quarterbacks have been able to quarterbacks have been able to run the ball in Oklahoma State. Okay. I'm a, I'm gonna stick to it. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Mike Gundy. He's a good bowl coach. Sticking to principles here. And my other fear for you again. I'm not locking it up. I'm rooting for you. But we've talked about Oklahoma State all year and about how the way their season started and about how that. So I know Mike Gundy's done great in bowls, but isn't there part of you that's kind of worried that this team might just be ready to get this year done with? But Miami. I mean. Miami in bowl games. I'm just saying. Like losing to Wisconsin when they're good, then losing to Wisconsin when they're bad, then losing to (laughs) South Carolina, then losing to Louisiana Tech. I feel like I've got just like a Rolodex of Miami shows up to a bowl game and disappoints. All right. I'm just All right. I'm just trying to, you know, I want to make sure you know everything. I appreciate. Hey, we're trying to put a shout out to Hakeem Dermish. What do we want to do? Knowledge in your mind Knowledge and in your mind and money, money in, your, in your, pocket. your pocket. That's right. Uh, we will have Tuesday night is a little bit of a nightcap. 9 p.m. Eastern time kickoff as Texas faces Colorado in the Alamo Dome. I love this matchup. Old Big 12 rivals. I love this coaching battle for all the narrative reasons because – Colorado exceeded expectations, and everyone's all of a sudden like, wow, Carl Durrell did a good job. Texas fell short of expectations, and everyone's like, all right, Tom, you get one last chance. So it's like Texas's performance against Colorado will set the table for the offseason pressure uh, that is going to be mounting in Austin for the Longhorns in 2021. Uh, anybody got a play on Texas-Colorado? This one is very difficult for me. I'm going to play it. And yet I think I'm going to decide which side like mid mid sentence, mid thought, but like mid, like, like you guys are going to get inside my head here. So here, here's the thing. Um, Texas. It's very easy for me to see Sam Ellinger final, final stand. Um, is this the, yeah, literally like final stand at the Alamo, right? Yes. Sam Ellinger's yeah. Alamo. <laughs> but what happened at the Alamo, though? <laughs> so what, what does that mean? What side are you taking? I still don't know. Okay. So we have Sam Ellinger and, and Tom Herman's Alamo, uh, good or bad. Um, and, and so I could see this being that game where Texas, disappointing season, didn't get what we wanted out of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like, you know, they're not going to be motivated and all the narratives show up and then bam, like they just absolutely like boat race Colorado. And it's, it's the whole sort of, Oh, well, how good is this te- Texas team's going to be good next year type of narrative. Um, or I could see this. I think this is also could very well be just sort of the shootout uh, 
and Colorado continues to prove they are actually a good team and just flat out is as good or better than Texas. And maybe it wins or it certainly covers. Um, I'm, I'm leaning Texas on this. I am also kind of leaning just this thing could get funky and crazy and maybe just over it. Just, just bet on, bet on silly. Uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to just sort of hear y'all's thoughts and then I'm going to circle back. Over. I'm on. Oh, okay. Over. Yeah. Let's over. see what the best 63. I can get you 63 fast track. Alamo Dome. It is, it Alamo, is the Dome. Alamo Dome. There's yeah. some funky games that go on in the Alamo Dome. Yeah. Games it's listen, I don't know. I don't know what it is about the AstroTurf that they got in there. I don't know what it is about feeling like you're just, you know, playing in an arena league game where all of a sudden you kind of get an arena league feel to it. Things just start going fast. I just fast track. Uh I think that Texas's skill Texas's like skill position talent is still awesome, right? Like if B. John Robinson gets out in the open field. He is an athletic advantage against almost every Colorado defender. Like Colorado's defense is not going to be able to um, win all of those battles. Now, if Texas just doesn't play well, it gives Colorado a chance uh, to definitely cover the spread. I don't hate a Buffs play if you're asking for how I feel. But Texas's Texas defense has also been bad. And Jarek Broussard, I could see him like all of a sudden a very normal run because of some bad Texas Longhorn tackling ends up being a 38-yard touchdown run. So uh, I like the over in this game, fast track, and uh, Texas's defense not playing up to snuff could end up helping us uh, get there. I'm on Texas. Yeah, let's go. Me and Fornelli, baby. Good, let's yeah. go. So, this is, for me... I love Buffalo. We all know that. You've seen me in my Colorado hoodie, my Colorado hat. And I look at this matchup and they've had a really good season. They've had an unexpected season, but I think the fact that they've won when nobody expected them to has kind of caused us to overinflate how good of a team Colorado is because offensively, like Chip, you mentioned Texas's defense isn't great. Texas's defense has been really bad against the pass against the run. It's been pretty much average to slightly above average. And this is a Colorado team that has run the ball 60% of the time. <laughs> that as far as rate that ranks 15th most in the country. It's just, they're not especially good at it. If, if you look at yards per carry, they rank 43rd at 4.75, which isn't great, but not bad, but their success rate is only 39.9%. And that ranks 88th. So essentially that tells us that they're kind of boom or bust. They're not, re they're either not getting anything or they're breaking free for, like you said, a Jarek Broussard 38 yard touchdown after he breaks a couple tackles. And that could definitely be the case here. It's just, again, Texas's defense, not horrible against the run. They're 42nd in success rate and 26th in yards per carried allowed. I think that the Longhorns will be able to do enough defensively to try to force Colorado to beat it through the air. And Colorado hasn't shown an ability to really do that yet. But then again, Texas's defense against the pass has been so bad that maybe this will be the game it happens. It is the Alamo Bowl. It's just over the course of 60 minutes, I do not think Colorado is well-rounded enough to take down this Texas team and cover. And if you look at Colorado's wins, it's not like there have been a lot of emphatic wins. They've mostly been close wins. And then the last we saw them against a good Utah team, Utah team that could take away the run, it didn't go so well for them. So I'm laying the nine points with the Longhorns. I am as well. Um, 
A lot of the same reasons you just gave. Uh, Tom Herman is 3-0 and in the postseason games at Texas. Two of the three have come in the state of Texas at the Texas Bowl in 2017, the Alamo Bowl last season. Uh, last year, they upset Utah 38-10 to in the Alamo Dome. The cause for concern, Texas is playing without five team captains who have opted out to start prepping for the NFL draft. Guess the only captain they have remaining. The one last guy standing in the Alamo left there to fight with his coach is Sam Ellinger. That is all that matters. And I have a, I have a prediction for you. And this makes me want to take the over, but I'm not going to, I'm just going to, I don't want to do a DK two for one special on this one. I'm just going to take Texas. Sam Ellinger is responsible for 126 touchdowns in his career. That is second in school history behind Colt McCoy, who has 132. He needs six touchdowns to catch him. I think Tom Herman is going to try to get it for him so that he goes down as the statistical greatest quarterback in the history of the Texas Longhorns program. And I think he might get it. The other thing is too, this is more about the big 12 versus the PAC 12, the PAC 12. I just, it's not very good. It hasn't been, it's not been a great season. And I look at some of Colorado's wins and the way that they have won. their most impressive win, I think was probably UCLA in week one, which was a shootout. And I just look at beat Stanford by three. They beat San Diego State by 10. They, you know, 24-13 versus Arizona. Utah might be the best team that they played and they lost uh, by 17. So I think this will be a similar type game that they faced against Utah. Similar type talent. Even though they're all these, vet, you know, captains gone. I just think Texas has better talent on their roster. So I'm going to take the Longhorns laying the points. Texas and the over. Let's go. Lock it up. <laughs> Unite the I told you where I was leaning. You guys, you guys confirmed my suspicions. Let's go make some money. <laughs> to, <laughs> to review, Tom is going to be on Hawaii plus 11 against Houston, Liberty plus seven and a half against Coastal, the un, the over 50 and a half in Western Kentucky, Georgia State. I, I can't even say over when I'm doing the uh, auctioneer final recap for Tom. It's weird. It's like the brain won't connect it, <laughs> right? right? Uh, yeah, the over Western Kentucky, Georgia State. Uh, in Texas, minus nine against Colorado. Barton is on Buffalo, minus four. Louisiana, minus 13 and a half. The over 50 and a half, Western Kentucky, Georgia State. Texas, minus nine. And the over 63 in Texas and Colorado. Chip is on Buffalo, minus four. The under 57 in UTSA, Louisiana. Oklahoma State, minus two against Miami. And the over 63 in Texas, Colorado. Danny, Buffalo, minus four. Coastal, minus seven. The under 54 and a half in Buffalo Marshall and Texas minus nine against Colorado. So that has, we got lock fights between Tom and Danny for Coastal and Liberty. We've got lock unity on Buffalo minus four and Texas minus nine. Lock agreements include the over 50 and a half Western Kentucky, Georgia State, the over 63 in Texas, Colorado. I like it. We will be. No money lines? Oh. Is that, that's a regular season only? Forgive me for screwing the whole thing up. I thought we might have some money line sprinkles if we wanted them. Should we have included those in our picks? Uh, 
Sure. I'll throw, it's a bonus. You can do it with you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just bonus. I want bonus the action. hurricanes. I want the hurricanes over the pokes. I didn't. I didn't. I. Fine. I'm gonna take. There you go. Let's <laughs> add it in there. Let's just make it a fight, then. I like it. The fact that they got embarrassed last year has to be something that resonates in that locker room. You cannot get embarrassed the way you did last year again. And I think Miami does have some talent. Plus, I think North Carolina is really, really good on offense. If, if we're doing money line sprinkles, I'm taking Marshall plus 160. <laughs> there we go. We're just throwing them all out there. I love it. All right. So there is nothing about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So the Miami Hurricanes have lost nine out of their last 10 bowl games. Yep. The motivation wow. each of those years wasn't enough <laughs> to come back the next nope. year and nope. be able to get it done. <laughs> I'm fading the trend. Yeah. Everybody sees that and everybody's like, oh yeah, Miami's going to lose right now. So, but not, not me. I'm going, I'm fighting. I'm contrarian on this one. They did beat West Virginia in the 2016 Russell Athletic Bowl. But other than that, going back to 2008, they have losses to Cal, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, Louisville, South Carolina, Washington State, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, and Louisiana Tech. This who is who was coaching that West Virginia team Miami beat? Is it Dana Holgerson who didn't care? Take Hawaii <laughs> plus 11, kids. <laughs> he is Danny Cannell. You can follow him on Twitter at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. We will be back early next week to get you set with everything from the 30th, 31st, 1st, and 2nd, the other half of the bowl schedule. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you.